are throwing down. I'm Ryan in for Renee. That is, of course, Misha Cupcake Tate. And joining the show right now, we are very pleased to be welcoming in the very first inaugural UFC flyweight champion. She's got a documentary out right now making the rounds uh, in the film circuit out there at the film festival. It's called Warrior Spirit. She is Nico Montano. Nico, how are you doing here on a Monday? I'm well. I'm doing very great. I'm out here in Lupichigai, Arizona, on my on the Navajo Reds with my family. Uh, how are you doing? Nice. I'm great. I'm coming. I'm I'm hanging out with Misha Tate, coming off a of UFC 268, talking about one of the best uh, fight cards that we've ever seen. So we are clearly on a fight high. But Nico, uh, as we talk about, you know, being on a fight high, it's been a while since we've uh, got to see you. In an octagon, uh, I think most know the that your situation by now. You, you're not in the UFC currently. You were let go after uh, some weight cutting troubles. Uh, I, I, we don't really know exactly what's been going on because we haven't uh, heard a lot from you. I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're soaking in the sunshine. But what the heck's been going on with you? What's uh, what's been going on in your fight life, Nico? Oh, you know, um, at this point, I think 145 is the better option, the more healthier option for me. So we're, I'm trying yeah. to look into um, getting a Bellator fight because that's probably the only promotion that's open at 145 right now, trying to build their division. Nice. Also, PFL doesn't sound too bad with that million-dollar win. <laughs> Even though it's 155, <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything that'll, uh, you know, get me in the octagon at this point. I'd love to fight, you know, through all my – falling out like all my fights that I've had to pull out of I was in training camp so I'm still ready I'm still getting in as much uh, training as I can when I'm you know going into town being like at you guy the closest Walmart or the closest subway or subway Sam's Club closest place to even get to gas station is two hours away so it's kind of hard to train when I'm out here helping out um but for the most part you know I'm trying to get down to Scottsdale so I can get into fight ready and start this thing over again well, that's good. That's good. Now, uh, I think most of us know you, 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 you began your career, at least in the public eye, by running through the Ultimate Fighter, uh, becoming champion at 125. Uh, again, some weight issues back and forth. It's been well documented. So now uh, we're talking beginning at 125. Now you're talking about 145. Uh, what's that process been like? And, 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 and how did you get to the understanding that, hey, you know, 145 is, is probably better for me? I know it was the product of a lot of not fun weight cuts, but you tried making 135 before uh, Nico, and that didn't go well. So was it that final time that you couldn't make 135? I mean, what what was the process like for you? Yeah, you know that last um, that last camp that I had to pull out of it was due to a concussion. I got rear-ended going to get a COVID test for the PI, and mm. I just I couldn't do anything when you're concussed. When you have that big of a concussion, my symptoms were vertigo, um, had ringing in the ear. It was like it was bad. So I just had to give my body and my brain a, a break. And um, I was just like, I, you know, three months post concussion, post accident, I was still having these symptoms, but I was working with Heather and I was working with Tara at the PI. And I was like, I got to get into a fight. So coming from, you know, doing nothing, couldn't even go for my walks, couldn't really read a book. Um, I think my metabolism was just like my, my metabolic system was just at a plateau and, uh, and um and it was just hard to kick it into gear again, you know, towards the end, my strength and conditioning coach was like, towards the end of camp was like, it looks like finally your body's like responding to everything. And it was just a little too late. And it was, you know, it is what it is. And so at this point, that's why I think 
45 is a better option because, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to have to kill myself to make 45. And I do feel like the partners that I have trained with in the past will attest to my strengths, uh, no matter what, what weight class I'm at. And, you know, as any martial artist knows, it's all about technique anyway. So, so Nico, I want to go back to you on the ultimate fighter, you know, speaking of weight issues and whatnot, I mean, what was your experience on that show as far as having to cut weight week in and week out? And I mean, do you think that that had any, um, lasting implications as to why perhaps, you know, the, the metabolism and those things were kind of failing on different, on different parts? Um, or what is your perspective on that? I, yeah, I absolutely think so. You know, and if, I was absolutely in a caloric deficit. I made sure of it because I was running about six miles every day on top of our four hour trainings in the show on the show. And, you know, I was eating so little um, and my body was just, you know, it was like basically starving for those six weeks. Um, The first weigh in I did, I had to do naked because I was super stressed out that I wasn't going to make weight and I did make weight, but, you know, I had to take every inch of sweat that like you know it mattered at that point so the next couple of weigh-ins were pretty like they were easier than the first but I was still pretty exhausted after every weight cut that it was like kind of scary going into the fight because I was I knew that I had a pretty hard weight cut um and there's only so much that you can pull your I feel like you know everyone's like mind over power mind over body and it's like well there's only so much I can do when it comes to that because I can push myself through whatever situation you know and come out the other end with whatever my body's responding to is the thing, you know, it's, it's not as much as I wanted. It's like the reality of what my body can handle my biological system and everything, but definitely lasting, lasting um, effects from all these hard weight cuts in my amateur career. I was all, I was 135 throughout it and I was undefeated and all my fights ended in the first round. Same with my first Pro fight was at 35, same thing. Second fight was with Pam Sorensen, who is now the one, the current, or the former, what, 145 um, champ for, I forget what promotion, LFA. LFA, okay. But she, you know, so after that fight, I I think is when my coaches were like, you're a 25er, but, you know, she moved up a weight class and I went down. So it was a split decision. So it was like, that was my... What goes into determining that you saying that you are a 25 or you are a 35 or I mean, did you have any say in that? Because I feel like weight cutting is overrated. Um, I don't cut a lot of weight anymore. I make sure that that I stay pretty close to. But I always wonder, you know, in, in other people's camps, like some people think that cutting so much weight and the, the input from the camp, right, is that bigger, stronger fight day. But as you see, right, those kind of start to pay the worst kind of dividends the longer that you try to pull extremes from your body. Um, I've, I was in the same boat. I mean, my heart broke for you in that documentary, Nico, because I've been there curled up in a ball on the floor yeah. just feeling like a wasteless – like I'm, I'm like how, how – I don't even know how we could be expected to fight at our best that next day. When I fought Amanda and when I fought Holly, I had horrible, horrible, awful – the worst weight cuts, it, the exact same thing that I saw you going through, it gave me like PTSD. Cause I'm like, I've been there. I know how horrible it is. And the weight's just not coming off and you're touching the scale and you're like, how could I have just spent, you know, the past hour in the sauna and I lost 0.2 pounds and you're just ready to cry, but you have no tears. It's just like puffs of dust coming out of your eyeballs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I mean, my question there too is like, 
where, what advice are you getting and, and, and how do you think, I mean, are you finally taking over the decision of like what weight class that you're going to be in and like what goes into that process of making that right decision? Yeah, you know, it's pretty tough because I came into the sport pretty late. So it's not like I'm accustomed to knowing the relativity of what is normal and what's not normal. And so just listening to my coaches, you know, I, they're in my corner. They're the ones who are going to tell me what I need to do. And I'll take their word you know, to heart because I think they're looking out for me and they're ultimately who's going to tell who's telling me to drop down to 25. And, you know, that first 25 uh, fight I had with Shauna Dobson in Albuquerque, I was like, it took a lot out of me too that first 25 fight. But if you don't everybody mind, what was did you like, no, your body then? that like the week of the fight, what did oh, you walk same. into that week? 42, around 42. Uh, oh my God. See, that's insane. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I truly think I'm a 35er and I can put on a lot of, you know, even though my body doesn't look like an athletic body, I suppose, like the stereotypical oh, athletic matter. body at, at 35. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody has their own body types. Everyone has. Yeah. So I think I'm a 35er, but you know, all my coaches said try 25 and it took a lot out of me to get to 25 before even the show. And, you know, I think those but like when I did, I won the King of the Cage 25 belt and then went on the show and won the UFC belt. So it's kind of hard to argue against it. But it's, you know, it's just it's definitely it took its toll on me. And uh, health wise, it's not anything that I can keep consistent with. So at this point, 45 is going to be the healthier choice for me. And that's something that I can guarantee to be consistent with throughout my fighting career until I can be walking around at a lighter weight. Um, without the added on stress of everything too I think that was a big issue of just like having like my hormones shifted just because of the stress added on to everything that's a real thing that's a real thing I don't know if people are aware of that but hormones are something you don't want to mess with uh, talk to any woman who has ever been pregnant you will know how real hormones get real fast but I but seriously when it comes to fighting I mean when you're producing cortisol, when you're going into mega d calorie deficient, your body just starts to shut down and go into survival mode. And you don't, you, you know, you don't, you don't lose the fat even to prepare for the weight cut, you know? So there is a, there's definitely a process to it and it can be a lot more complicated and difficult than I think people recognize. But, um, yeah, so I think I was going to actually toss this one over to, to Ryan. Cause I think he has a couple questions. So shoot Ryan. Well, yeah, Misha, as you talk about, uh, you know, obviously the cut and everything and uh, the hormones and, and how it is different for women, Nico, uh, we get to see that firsthand in this documentary, uh, Warrior Spirit, which is making the rounds in the film festival. If you're in New York, if you, I'm talking to the listeners, the listeners out in New York, they can catch the premiere at the DOC NYC Film Festival. It's going to be uh, this Friday at the SVA Theater. Um, the documentary, man, it, it's it's tough to watch, I think, especially for those of us around the sport, because of the pain that you're in, because of uh, just the situation. I mean, it's just it's it's dark at different points. It's uplifting and inspiring at different points. It talks about your Navajo history and your pathway to the championship and all that. But then when you get into the fight week of Shevchenko and again, sort of the weight cut and everything, um, I'm just curious what what was what, what what was your view on I guess going through the documentary as it was happening and now that it is uh, finished and making the rounds. How do you feel about it now? Well, during the documentary, it was, um, it was fun. You know, it, it was uh, like, I get inspired by my people. I come home and I am able to see just the simplistic living and how everyone's still, you know, 
living through with their community, working with each other and our culture is still alive. Sure. So through the documentary, it was good to like touch on these topics and come home and it's like show that to the world thinking of, you know, show this to the world. Cause that was, that's, that was the topic of the documentary. Um, and then, you know, going into the fight, I really thought I had it in me. I was, you know, it's not like I was making other people believe something I didn't believe in myself. So it was, it was definitely heartbreaking by, you know, the end of it all when, um, when I didn't make weight, but, uh, and then like the after aftermath of it all and like just seeing how everybody's reactions were when they were on my side and then they weren't on my side. But this was like the reality yeah. of living through the documentary post-documentary. I haven't even seen the show. I haven't seen the film because they were, they haven't sent me a link. Um, uh, they're like kind of worried that I think that I was going to show the UFC, somebody in the UFC, the, the documentary before it was premiering. And that just wasn't the case. I just wanted to see the link, but I haven't, they haven't sent me the link. So I haven't seen the video. Um, so I can't really say anything. No. No, no, truthfully, yeah. Nico, I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about it and I, I want to give you a platform and an opportunity to, to speak your mind if you wish. I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but it was my understanding that it seems like you're not very happy with what you understand, what you know about the documentary, the feedback that you've got. I mean, you have friends, you have family, myself included, who have who have seen it. Some parts of it kind of perturbed me, too. I thought overall the story was good, but I mean, it clearly the message in that documentary was anti-UFC. I mean, it was very, the way that they portrayed it anyways, they went heavy in against the UFC, um, really kind of made it look uh, like you guys were um, opposed to a lot of the things in the UFC. So it did, the narrative came off that way. Of course, they did touch on your history. They did touch on your Navajo, you know, your, your, your background and all these things. And that mm-hmm. was great. Um, but there were some other things in the documentary that were quite very questionable about being in there as well. So I mean, I think now is a chance for you to really talk if you if you choose to um, about. Yeah. I mean, what, where do you stand on this? Like, do you support it or do you not support it? And, and kind of what what was your intention with this documentary? What did you want out of it? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely wanted to, like, express my love for my culture and that, like, show that our community still strives without any you know, with going through genocide of like the U.S. government with going and then everyone thinks that these are like hundreds and like centuries ago. But no, these are these are recent fat like these are recent events still to us. Like all these kids are getting dug up mm-hmm. underneath churches. My grandma was part of the boarding school days. So and that's just like the couple generations above me, you know, my grandma. So these things are all still relevant within our culture, within our people, our community. But yet we still come and, you know, find a way to overcome a bunch of things together you know united so COVID really struck hard and it kind of separated everything so I kind of just want that's what I kind of wanted to show I wanted to show that like we're resilient people we're great at overcoming we're great at being thinking on our feet right and thinking for each other and coming together as a community but then yeah so I was coming to the end of my camp I uh knew that I was like right on the cuff of being like let go if I didn't make weight and I didn't make weight and so like all the stress of the documentary and then getting let go of the UFC and then all so like all I got all kinds of hate because they're like you don't even offer my fans from people left and right not my fans my fans like you can't even fight you don't even make weight like 
you're an embarrassment, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, great. And then the documentary comes out and then I have people being like, oh, you can't fight. So you want to expose yourself and be nude on TV. And that's the only way you're going to stay relevant. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Because I still haven't seen the film. I, you know, they didn't send me the link. Because so that's I was not something you did not condone that, correct? I mean, that's not okay no, for yeah, you. I and I haven't and for, and Nico. Yeah. And Nico, for, for, for those that haven't seen it, which I, I imagine for some listeners out there, they haven't, that there is a point, and I thought this was odd. It is, it's during your dramatic weight cut. It's a scene in the bathroom where you are barely able to stand up. You've shed all your clothes. Yeah, very vulnerable. You've shed all your clothes. And yeah, there is a scene that, that features you nude, which, uh, t- and I'm just giving listeners mm-hmm. a backstory there to give it some context, which it, to me, it, it, it took Misha by surprise. It took me by surprise. We were talking about it before the show. And you haven't even seen it. So you're getting texts from people, which, I mean, talk about getting taken mm-hmm. by surprise. Yeah. And so when I confronted the my producer, who was also my lawyer at the time, um, when I asked him, I'm like, okay, like, why is this scene in the show? Like, I'm getting all kinds of hate and I still haven't been able to watch the link because you're worried that I'm still going to show the UFC something, even though, like, you know, I was... I was at the tail end of working with the UFC, so I didn't want to be involved with the film because I knew it was taking that route because they were being secretive about it. And then and then the UFC is like, well, this documentary is coming out. Anti-UFC, do you know about it? It has your name all over it. And I'm like, I have no, like, I haven't been able to see it. I'm just, I've been trying to ask them for a link. They're not sending it to me. And so when that when the film came out and everybody was like, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you exposing yourself? We're Native we're a modest people like you shouldn't have done this now you're like really now I'm really not your fan I'm like I have no idea what's happening I was never sent the link I never said mm-hmm. this is okay it, like if that sh- if that part needed to be in the film I, I mean I don't even see why it needed to be in the film like it didn't it didn't no- fit the narrative right. Nico it didn't there's, there's no way yeah, blurred, it doesn't you know, fit yeah 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 um, could have zoomed in could have taken me out yeah so i wouldn't even know it's funny because it talks the film talks about the genocide of our people right we get exploited by the government uh the ufc exploits their fighters and now i'm not getting any reimbursement from this show um you know exposed for free because i signed a contract that my lawyer did three years also ago the producer so, which is fishy Mm-hmm. And then he, so I wrote him and I was like, Hey, why does, why is this part in the film? He's like, Oh no, you're not exposed. I don't know who's telling you lies. And I'm like, well, I don't think like 14 people out of the one premiere is telling lies when they're all writing me about it. And half of them are my family. And I was just like, yeah, now my freaking cousins have seen me exposed. Like this is super inappropriate. And you're talking about exploiting fighters, exploiting Navajo people and you're like literally doing you're being so hypocritical doing the exact same thing to me I, like i said i'm not getting any reimbursement my name is all over this but i haven't been getting i'm not getting any awards i'm not getting any notifications from any of like the festivals about anything like it's mm-hmm. all on them with my name all over it so it's just it's a, like it's a pretty touchy situation because I don't know what to do with it. I uh, have like threatened to sue, but like I said, it was my lawyer at the time who wrote up the contract, so he knows what he's doing. And they're grabbing all of my Instagram posts and sticking them on this Facebook page, Warrior Spirit, that's to do with the documentary. And I don't even have a Facebook page, so everybody on the Facebook like thinks that that's my page, and so they're sending all kinds of other hate mail and stuff, and like reposting that and like talking crap on me and i'm just like i have nothing to do with this at this point in time 
Well, Nico, uh, this is a documentary that, you know, I, I originally, uh, f- you know, obviously followed your story, the Navajo people, the inspirational story that you are and that, that it is, right? And then it morphed into an expose on weight cutting and obviously involves the UFC a little bit. But now it's, it's taken on, I mean, this, 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 this part about the you being exposed and having nudity without your consent, you would think an athlete or a star of a movie would get final cut or privileges to at least look over to it. I think this this story has taken a few different turns, and, and, and Nico, I, I don't think we've heard the last of it. I will say this. Unfortunately, we're up against the clock. We don't have uh, much time left in the hour, but I do want to invite you back to any of our shows to talk about this more, to come back on throwing down with uh, Misha and Renee to follow up on this, because I don't think we've heard the last of this story. I will say this. Your story is an inspiring one. The stuff from that, from the documentary, was very enjoyable. Uh, I know how much your people mean to you and how much your story means to you. So I hope you get to tell it someday in a fair way. And and, and, and I applaud you for speaking out and, uh, you know, trying to do what you can to uh, take back some of your narrative and some of your story, Nico. We really appreciate it here on a Monday. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Naree Balin. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts.